better time to start. Living the sweet life, rolling in sunshine, rocking the good time with all our friends. Easy and carefree, out in the summer breeze, loving a simple thanks for hours on end. Around about sundown, we lay on the ground, count on the stars as they come out one at a time. Ain't this a sweet life? All right, good morning. Another little country song to get us going. Um, that's a country version of Sweet Life. That's what we're going to be talking about. I'm really glad you're here this morning for the launch of our series. And I'd just like to mention that these lights are doing their own thing. So it's not some you know, kind of rock show to make up for the country song when, when we rolled in. So uh, just a warning. If that's happening, we're, we're trying to keep it under control the best we can. Um, over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about what the sweet life is and how Jesus wants to lead us to it uh, and what he says about that. Every one of us has a version or a picture in our mind of what sweet life is and the path that's going to take us there. We make choices every day based on that picture we have that we hope lead us to the sweetest life possible. So what's your picture of the sweet life? In, in our culture, we have icons that create, they help create this picture for us. Uh, winning a gold medal at the Olympics is one possible picture. And getting a championship ring in a pro sport or something like People dedicate their lives to this. That's one thing about the Olympics that makes you nervous. It's like, their entire life they've been working for this moment, and it could go really good or really wrong in that moment. But that's what happens. People dedicate themselves to that. Um, being the CEO of a Forbes Top 100 company seems like that would be sweet. That would really be good. Um, sweet, sweet life for some is tied to fame and fortune, either glamour or stardom. Seems like that would be really sweet. Here's, this is Jesse J on cover of Glamour magazine, and I, I chose this cover because it was the most appropriate one I could find for a worship service. And secondly, because, hey, I, I like the song Price Tag. It's got a good groove to it. You know, it's not about the money, money, money. We don't need your money, money, money. It ain't about the, the uh. Cha-ching, cha-ching. It ain't about the yeah, ba-bling, ba-bling. We want to make the world dance. Forget about the price tag, especially what you paid to get into this concert. That's, that's kind of what, what they're saying there. So glamour, fame, that's what somebody, some people shoot for. Uh, others aim for uh, stardom or fame through stardom and fortune. Uh, Some getting a star on the Hollywood uh, street would be a pinnacle for them. Many work very hard to arrive at the sweet life, working, hey, working for the day when uh, they can relax for the rest of their life. Look at this picture. Oh, yeah, that would be good. Just be able to kick back and relax. There's nothing inherently wrong with these pursuits. But for many people in the world, most of the population of the world, they're out of reach. So what, what does Jesus say to the rest of us 
And most of us have some ordinary, we'll say more ordinary aims in life. If, if you experience them, it's extraordinary, really. Uh, you know, just to belong to a circle of family of friends that, that really enjoy us and appreciate us and respect us. That adds a sweetness to life. It really does. At work, we, we may not need to run the company, but we would love to see continual progress, promotion, and increased pay. That would make it sweet. Sweet life could also be just to have great kids who make good choices over and over and over again. If they look good, we look good. If you're plugged into a church, rising in leadership may be a goal. Uh, it may be an ingredient of the sweet life for you or to be married or to have a great marriage. Uh, maybe you, part of your definition of what it means to, to have the sweet life. We, we could add a lot more to the list. We could keep going on and on. These are good goals, but as good as they are, they don't guarantee the sweet life. They really don't. Many of the icons of the sweet life, athletes, stars, CEOs, they're miserable and they struggle with substance abuse. It's off the charts. As they experience monumental success, they struggle with these things. There must be more to the sweet life than reaching goals like these. There's got to be more to it. So our aim for this series is to define the sweet life according to God. We're going to get in the Bible and we're going to see the path he says to take in order to experience life and his intended sweetness to it. If we spend our days looking at the wrong picture of the sweet life, take the wrong path to get there, it sucks up our time and energy, and we may end in extreme disappointment. A friend of the program has this image for the series. Um, it's a great picture of a common experience. He's in the hammock. He's right where he, he'd love to be with lemonade right there, but his eyes tell the story. Like, oh, this is just not what I thought it was going to be. We get to the hammock, the scenery's fantastic, but it's not what we hoped. And if you can identify with this guy on some level, you may be frustrated, you're making progress, all, all the externals are coming together, but you, you can't find satisfaction. You can't find the sweetness that's there. Uh, that you're looking for. And so in this series, what we're going to look at is four common pursuits that people take to bring the sweetness to life. And we're going to look at what Jesus says about those. Today, we're going to look at the pursuit of honor, respect, and I believe a good reputation goes with that pursuit. We, we really want to build a reputation, a good reputation among those uh, we relate to over and over again. We want it to grow over time, and this is a good thing. This is, this is, this is a noble pursuit. And we're going to look at how that reputation grows over time God's way. And we're going to see how he says we should aim for honor in this life. And this is important because he wrote into the way that life actually works, the principles we're going to look at. So whether or not you know them, you run into them over and over again as you 
as you aim to live your life. In the world at large, we seek honor through a high level of achievement, and then we demand that we get what is due to us. Hey, hey, look what I've done. I've, I've reached this pinnacle here, and I demand your respect. Or, another way is just take a shortcut, try to, try to get there quicker, and just go to the front of the line. But in reality, pushing our way to the front of the line doesn't bring the desired outcomes. Have you ever seen, you know, the reaction of the line, a long line at the cash register or somewhere somebody tries to cut to the front of the line, especially at Christmas time when people are lining up for the deals on Friday morning after Thanksgiving? Everybody's in line, somebody cuts. There, there could be a riot. Actually, I've seen video of riots breaking out because these people took it on themselves to get to the front without paying the appropriate price to get to the front. Have you ever seen the road rage that occurs when you're in line for a ball game or a concert and somebody, whoa, whoa, cuts in the front there? They don't want to wait. They want to get there on time. When you push your way to the front in different scenarios in real life, the people around you get frustrated. There's this low rumble. They get frustrated and maybe even furious. And so what happens is this is completely counterproductive. You're aiming for honor. You're pushing your way to the front and you don't experience what you'd hoped for. Turns out that people are hoping you go splat as you rise or whatever. So here's some good news. Jesus offers a sure path to the good life. You have to get on his path. You have to stay on it. But it's sure. It's solid. And the path to the sweet life isn't what we think. If you decide to follow Jesus and learn to obey him more and more, to the extent that you do life his way, to that extent you experience the sweet life as God intended. He brings life together for those who decide to follow him and keep taking steps to obey him, but veering off the path brings pain. So we're going to look at some of the ways that that happens this morning. Jesus' stories, his sermons, and even his own life examples seem upside down to us in the way our world runs. His directions often go the opposite of the way that our natural inclinations would take us. In fact, the steps on Jesus' path lead downward but take you higher. Jesus tells a story to highlight the contrast between his way and the world's way in Luke 14. He was dining on a Sabbath, which is Saturday night, at the house of a, one of the more important people in the city, prominent Pharisee, a powerful religious leader. And uh, they were eating together with Jesus. And he's likely what he's been doing is he's been watching. This is like the power group in the city. 
So he's probably been watching as people come into the room the scramble for the VIP seating. He's been watching this, and so uh, he, he's an outsider. They've, they've likely invited him into this, and so he tells a story. This, this is what happens in Luke 14. He says this, Now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, When you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you will both come and say to you, give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you're invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. It just hit me, this may have actually just happened to Jesus. <laughs> I'm not thinking he stepped into that power meeting and went to the head table. But he may have been invited there, and that may have been what, what spurred on this, this story. This story addresses a desire that we all have. We want honor. It's tied directly, though, in the story to how we see ourselves in relation to the people around us. Here's a screenshot from an article I read this morning that showed up uh, on the Internet. I don't know if you can see it. The picture is like the guy in the middle is the man. Everybody's gathering around him. It's four ways to become the most charismatic person in the room. Hey, that, that makes sense. You know, I want to walk in and just, woo, take over the crowd. That'd be awesome. So here's four ways to do that, if that's on your, on your heart and mind. Um, as a pastor, I've been to a lot of weddings. So this scene that, that Jesus describes, I, I've, I've lived it often. You know, when you, the wedding ceremony is over, you walk into the reception, what's going through your mind? Well... I wonder who I'm sitting with. Could be awkward. If I don't know everybody, that could be really awkward. This could be tough. Wonder, wonder, wonder if I'm going to have an important place. If there's like a place reserved for me in that in that room. I hope the DJ picks my table to go to the buffet first. <laughs> Honestly, that's usually one of the thoughts that goes through my mind. <laughs> You know, we, we naturally think a place of honor would be great. And Jesus is highlighting here the normal path to honor. But then at the end, he makes that statement that shows God's path. He makes two very, very important statements in this parable. Uh, two points from the parable. The first one is taking place of honor can bring you down. Jesus describes how embarrassing it would be in front of everyone at the wedding feast to go to the head table and be asked to be moved to another seat away from the VIPs. So Jesus is warning us, first of all, that pushing your way forward is a recipe for humiliation. This is true at work, family gatherings, in church life. Pushing your way forward is a way to be humiliated. Instead, he shows how deference brings tremendous benefits. 
According to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, deference is respect and esteem due a superior or an elder. So when given the opportunity to push ahead, Jesus tells us to take an intentional step down in our mind in terms of status. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't make sense to our native reflexes <laughs> in situations. really doesn't. Take a lower mental position in relationship to the others around you. This is what Jesus is saying. This isn't easy because we want to be at the front of the line. We want to be at the head table. We want to be the most charismatic person in the room. This is a great picture he gives. You take a lower seat, and then in the presence of everyone there, you might get an upgrade. Now, that is the way to honor. (laughs) You didn't force it on anyone. You didn't push your way to the front. But the people around you gave you that place of honor. You get an upgrade. Now, deference isn't the only factor. It's not that simple, you know. Being coachable, competent, having character will also factor in. But humility, what happens with humility is, which is deference, humility is, uh, the best description in the Bible is, uh, considering others better than yourselves. You know they're not. But in the way you relate to them and the way you treat them, you, you think this way. You show consideration to them, deference. So... Humility gives us a tremendous edge in working with people in family life, in work life here in church, because what happens is they rally, they start rooting for you. Unless, you know, they have, you know, a serious divergent agenda. But this is the way to rally people toward your goal, toward whatever it is you're trying to to accomplish humility gives you a real edge and here here's the promise and it's certain for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted talent determines how high you go choosing pride or humility determines whether or not you're going to fall this is the way life works this is built in god built this into the fabric he wove it into the way life works And if you choose pride, you may have the talent, the ability, the intellect to go very high. But at some point, you're likely to fall. This is is how life works. It's the way he's written it in. This, This is upside down from the way our world operates. But it's it's Jesus' way. If you will consistently defer. To the people around you, let them go ahead of you, show consideration. I'm going to highlight some practical ways to do that in a few moments. You will grow in honor over time. Your reputation will keep building and building year after year. Jesus is showing us here the sure path to honor is paid with humility. The other path slippery. We see this truth in all, all through Scripture, you see this idea. You know, whoever pushes their way to the top, pride comes before a fall. That's Scripture. 
but whoever trusts in God is kept safe. So he, we see this truth, Proverbs 22, 4, the reward for humility and the fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. This, this, this is the reward. Typical path to honor is slippery. It may be icy, slick if you take the typical path. If you've stepped on the people around you to get ahead, they're gunning to bring you down. You are not very secure in that position. Frustration can build within us at times when people aren't noticing and we can do some things to get noticed. Or uh, maybe we feel like we've got what it takes, but circumstances beyond our control just haven't allowed us to rise the way we want to. If you feel like you've waited a long time to get noticed, the tendency is to want to jump ahead and push your way to the front to step on people to get ahead. But what we see in this parable of Jesus is if we're going to take Jesus' route to the sweet life, we must humble ourselves and let others have the spotlight. This means we have to trust God. This, this is a matter of faith. If I'm in... If I'm in a situation where I love some attention, but I'm not getting any, my native reflex is I'm going to do something to get some. But if I, if I have faith, I can trust God to give me the honor when it makes sense to him. I just leave it to him and move on. Deference carries the idea of yielding the right away to others whenever possible. It doesn't always make sense because... You don't want to compromise matters of principle. You don't want to give up the truth. Uh, you don't yield those things. But as a humble person, whatever you can re- yield on, you do. This works into our lives in very practical ways. In conversation, say you're meeting a friend for coffee. They, you know, try to strike a balance in talking about yourself and listening to what's going on with the person. In fact, go, in, go into it trying to find out what's up with them, what's happening with them. Defer to them. Let them have the time. Lean toward finding out what's on their mind versus spilling everything that's on yours. That, that's deference. That's humility. When someone asks a question in a group of friends or poses a problem, if someone gives a great answer, celebrate that. Let them enjoy it. Don't, don't always add your two cents or show what you've learned or got out of the last book that you read. Proverbs 15.23 says, A man finds joy in giving an apt reply. Let them enjoy their reply. Let them, let them get, get excited with them instead of trying to siphon off some of the, the honor. In groups, our small groups are about to start up uh, next week. If you're an extrovert who loves to talk, every question is an opportunity. <laughs> Isn't it? I mean, hey, that question was made for me. And, and you, just, you just dive in. To defer means you let others share first what they think, what's going on with them. And you actually you help the leader in that situation because he's trying to get everybody involved. On the way to parties... Very tempting to rehearse everything that you're going to say. You know, like, hey, this is, I'm excited about this. Can't wait to tell the crew what's going on here. And you're, you're sort of rehearsing. 
the way you're going to put it together. You've got a beginning, a middle, and an end to your stories, and you're starting to think this through. But when you get there, deference shows interest in the lives of others. You're wanting to find out what's going on with them, what's important to them right now, what they're working through. If you do that, you're going to be a cool, refreshing breeze. That makes a big difference in your relationships. At work, humbly showing deference means that you, you, you thank and show appreciation. You share credit with people around you who've helped you and contributed to the success of whatever you're working on. On the flip side, helping without demanding credit is humility. When we consistently defer to others in humility, they begin to appreciate us. They, they, their, their appreciation grows into honor and respect. And it, it's, it's a real blessing to them and ourselves as well. To choose this way, however, requires faith. It goes against the grain of our native impulses. But when we trust God, he gives us the strength to keep deferring appropriately in situations with others. When we consistently defer to others, what we're doing is we're planting the seeds of the sweet life. We're going to taste the fruit of it in God's time as we move forward. I'd like to wrap up the message this morning by asking you to think through some possible next steps. If you would, take out the communication card or the connection card that's in your program. And in a moment, we're going to receive the offering. And uh, you could take this time to finish completing any information you haven't had an opportunity to complete or mark some next steps that you'd like to take that I'm suggesting here. Uh, the next steps are on the back of the connection card, and they're also at the bottom of the listening guide. Um, first of all, maybe God brought a situation to mind where you need to defer. And that could be your next step. I'm going to choose to defer in this situation that God brought to mind. Uh, another step could be to trust God with your reputation and humble yourself in a, in a circumstance. And then another step would be to attend the rest of the series. We'd love to have you come back for each of the messages in this series and see the four common pursuits in total that we're going to be looking at. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word that really shows us how you have made life to work. Thank you, God, for uh, the way that you really speak to us through your word. And you challenge our native ways of living and thinking. And I pray that, God, you give us the power to take the steps that you've laid on our heart to take. That you'd really, you'd really help us to live a life that pleases you and brings the sweetness that you intend for it. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.